The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Braveheart, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in this awesome 1995 movie. And joining me today on the panel are Andrew Hermes. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Dom. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And Michael Denz. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. So uh, before we get started, I want to encourage the listeners, be sure to join the StarQuest fan club by texting StarQuest to 66866. That's StarQuest, to one word, to 66866. And become part of the fan club. We've got lots of stuff going on. We have lots of shows that we're sending out all the time and new shows that we're starting, and you don't want to miss out on anything. Find out everything that's coming up on StarQuest. So let's talk about this movie, though. Braveheart. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I mentioned this before. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. I love this movie. Uh, and I assume for you guys, maybe the similar things, right, Andrew? No doubt. Yeah, I've I've watched this movie countless times. Um, not not a lot recently. Uh, it was more of like, you know, it's one of those movies like. Akin to like Shawshank Redemption, where whenever it was on cable. Yes. No matter what point of the movie it's on, you have to watch you, it. You and stop and watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, yeah. And considering the length of the movie, you're not always watching the whole thing, but um, it has that rewatchability factor for sure. And especially with all the iconic scenes and the the speeches and all the different battles, I know we'll get into that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, obviously, that's not a surprise. I think it's it's a top film for on a lot of people's lists. And um yeah, it's a movie I quote a lot. I have a, a good friend of mine who adores this movie as well, and and he can recite the whole movie by heart. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, he, yeah, just uh, out of nowhere, will will bust out his best William Wallace impression and uh, start quoting the film. Um, but yeah, it's it has everything you want. Um, this is sort of a a lost genre. Um, the whole historical epic uh it's kind of been replaced with uh you know the superhero film um or the big you know franchise whatever you know ip is out there uh you would see something like this uh, if it came out today probably on I'm as a true. netflix series yeah. or a lower budget sort of deal more more focusing more on the drama than the action um i would say uh it's also the it was sort of the beginning of a bunch of things, like the beginning of the epic battles, the the in the midst of right. it, epic battles, and the Battle of Sterling Bridge was one of those. It's the it's also began a whole genre of um, Scottish themed movies and TV shows that about all about like the the Scottish spirit. And in fact, I remember reading how this movie created some of the politics of. Scottish independence in the nineties, uh, in the UK. So, uh, it, it, it's, it started a lot of things as well as sort of was the peak of certain things. Uh, Mike, how about you? How, what are your feelings about Braveheart? 
Well, if you remember, this movie came out in the heart of our Steubenville time. Uh, I was a year yeah. away from starting school in 96, and you left uh, about a year and a half earlier or so? I, I left in, well, it 94? no, I've left in 96. I, I got my bachelor's in okay. 94, but I left in 96. Okay, you left in 96. So you, yeah. you came, they couldn't have both of us there at the same time. But, um, <laughs> Too much they, awesome uh, in one place. <laughs> yeah, and I was watching... Um, I was watching uh, Gibson talk about how the movie uh, was a bigger hit in VHS and eventually DVD than it was in the theaters. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I have to agree because I pretty much wore out my original uh, <laughs> VHS copy and then had the DVD. And I would make, uh, you know, the the old uh, mixtapes, but it would be all Braveheart music. Oh, and then I would mix yes. in. I even had this one... Uh, audio cd that had some of the um dialogue with the music together yeah yep, i get that just yeah you got that one okay yeah um so yeah i really loved it it was uh the beginning of uh gibson's catholicism coming through in his movies uh the patriot later you know you had him talking about i'm paying for my past sins and 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 praying, you know, and having that just these little inklings, you know, with Braveheart and then, you know, leading up to the the early uh, part of the 21st century with the Passion of the Christ when it really came out. Um, so it was just kind of an interesting time. It was his first major directorial. I think he won the Oscar. Right. And, uh, you know, that was like, wow, he's starring in it. I mean, it wasn't too long before that, that you were shocked he would try Shakespeare. Like, oh, what the guy right. from the uh, he lethal was the lethal weapon, weapon guy, Shakespeare? yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then and then he did this, and it was like, wow, he's he's knows what he's doing. So yeah, I I I definitely I was actually thinking about that the other day, and it wasn't in relation to Braveheart, but I'm I go I'm thinking how many uh like rewatchable movies are there besides the ones like the superhero ones that were just kind of cool for all their action, but you know obviously you know for me Star Wars, and I know you guys you know you can watch those over and over, but. Um, like I used to like to watch um, the the uh, Tom Clancy, like with Harrison Ford movies, you know, with um, yes. Ryan, John Ryan. I liked watching those over and over. You know, they have great scenes. The Star Trek movies, a lot of if you like those, the ones that just like, oh, I love this scene. You mentioned Shawshank. Oh, this is a good scene. You know, and you're like, and you're wondering what's going to come next. Oh, yes, this scene. This scene's good, too. <laughs> That's what this is. Every scene, whether whether it's, you know, um, the the humorous dialogue or the action or just some of the really cool like things that that Braveheart does throughout the movie. You're like, you're like, Oh, I love that he did that. You know, I love that he came up with that. Uh, uh you know, it's just, it's all very enjoyable. And the music, uh, let's talk I, about the I music. Was, yeah. Yeah. The music was just, I was listening. James Horner is, is second only to John Williams. As far right. as I'm concerned. I uh, agree. And composers. It's so sad that he's not, he, he died so young. Um, cause I'm sure he had more in him, but this, I think this was his best. Uh, uh soundtrack this this is just fantastic it's up there yeah that line from the movie where uh his uncle says to him as a young boy you know it they're playing outlawed tunes on outlawed pipes and the music that the music is almost another character in this movie as it so often is in in great movies because it brings something to it the 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 fr the frenetic music where they're they're gathering of the clans you know i can hear it in my head you know and it's almost discordant and atonal but it it's it's rising it's rising up and it's like the clans who are 
discordant and often fought with each other. But when an external enemy came, they ro- they rose up together. And just the the music is so, adds so much to this movie, and it's so fantastic. I love the pipes in it uh, that they bring the pipes into it. Yeah, it, it is a fantastic set. Like you mentioned, I not only have the original soundtrack, I have that second soundtrack that they did because they wanted more money out of us, where you have the, it with the dialogue <laughs> at the same time. And it, it was so worth it. It is it is awesome. Yeah. And this, the sweeping, uh, what I mean, I don't know what pan flute or something, you know, with the <laughs> right. big hills of uh, Scotland. And they just have that, you know, because it's like the exciting, I, I can still hear it, the, the music where he... He picks up uh, Murren and in the rain and then it stops raining and they're racing away on the horse and they have that kind of like that exciting where we're getting out their music. And but then all of a sudden it's the sweeping hills of uh, Scotland and they go into that just. I don't know, just hair raising kind of like you just hear it and you're like, oh, yeah, that 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 music uh, that was kind of the major theme. And then there's another ones like the. Um, I think there was some choral in the background. I, I'm going to serve it, but uh uh longshank's death i know i know you know the 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 where she's like you know uh death finds us all you know <laughs> and yes, he's whispering yes. into his ears and that music makes the, the whole scene so much more intense and awesome oh as right. just kind of it just sets the pace like the tone just you know as she slowly kind of just uh gives it to him and it, with his last breath as he can't even speak because he's you know coughing so much uh, there's just so many good, it's not just like one repeated theme over and over again. It's, it's all these different ones that are just so great. Yeah, no, I just, I like how everything you said, I, you know, I, this is the first film I, that I can think of where, you know, I had like that, that Celtic sound, um, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, with the, with the pipes and, and the whistles and, uh, it, it became, I, I remember, this movie probably set the probably made it the the whole Celtic sound popular because I remember in you know as a, as a kid I was a kid when this movie came out you know the it's probably around the time when the Celtic women remember was were always on like PBS <laughs> promoting their concerts um, it, it became like a thing and 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 I don't know if this and movie yeah. was the thing yeah yeah a lot of exactly. Scottish stuff a lot of Scottish stuff movie, yeah. yeah yep. Um, this movie probably had a lot to do with uh, James Horner specifically, obviously had a lot to do with the popularity of that sort of sound uh, in the nineties, uh, you know, becoming, you know, uh, uh, anything with the word Celtic on it was a bestseller, I think around that time. So <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, yeah, to this day it holds up. Um, and that's just, again, credit to James Horner. Uh, because a lot of that Celtic sound now might sound dated, but this this sort of uh, th- this movie score uh, definitely holds up and, and one that I definitely go back to. Right. And so much that's been made since that has anything to do with Scotland really refers to this. I mean, whether it's Outlander or it's um, was it Rob Roy was after this um, or even Brave, the Disney animated. You know, I mean, right. the, there are so many callbacks to this movie, including actors who are in both and and so that's this had a huge cultural impact um scottish tourism was huge afterwards they had big uh you know uh numbers of people wanting to go see scotland afterwards so yes i think this movie changed a lot about how people thought of scotland thought of scottish culture and uh yeah so great You, you know you mentioned um 
some of the actors. Uh, I should uh, we should go through the cast and talk a little bit about you know each you know who's in this movie. Certainly, Mel Gibson decided to be William Wallace because he's a director and he gets to do that. He he, <laughs> he was at the time even he was a little old to be playing the character, you know, frankly, but he pulls it off, and I think he does a good job. The you know again as we mentioned, he's coming off of these roles where he's kind of the the, the crazy action hero. And he's a lot less so than of that in this movie. Uh, I think he's really he really kind of is both a director and an actor. He kind of showed, look, I can be a lot more than the the guy from from Lethal Weapon or Mad Max. You know that there was more to him than than that. Uh, you know, and the, the the Shakespeare thing, you know, helped. Although that was a bit of a let's see, it was a bit of a, felt like a bit of a gimmick at the time. But this really cemented his reputation. The rest of the cast is like a who's who of Scottish actors. James Cosmo as Campbell, Brian Cox as Argyle. You had Patrick McGowan playing Longshanks, who, I mean, Patrick McGowan was awesome. I mean, he yes. was just so oh, evil. Yeah. He, <laughs> he was the, he was the perfect, like in Die Hard, you know, uh, he was, he was the perfect counterpoint to uh, Gibson uh, in Braveheart. You know, it was just, you saw him and it was like, this is a worthy adversary. You know, his lines were delivered so well. And they were so good. Uh, the problem uh, with I Scotland is there's too many Scots. Oh, man. That will bring just the kind of people we want. <laughs> right. With <laughs> evil, awful people. Right. Yeah, right. horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, So then you also had uh, Brendan Gleeson, who's from the, the, yes. the Gleeson family, who's done, you know, the Donald Gleeson. And, 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 and then um, I should mention Angus McFadden, who plays Robert the Bruce. Uh, and has done so many other great things since then. Uh, and I'll mention him again in a second because I want to mention the sequel in a bit. And then Sophie Marceau, the French actress playing Princess Isabel. What a great character. One thing we should mention while we're talking about this, I'm kind of jumping a little bit, but this movie is not historically accurate. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's pretty clear this is a fable. There, like, there was, there were, these were real people William Wallace, Robert the Bruce, you know, King Edward. But none of this actually happened the way it happened. There, there is a Scotland. <laughs> right, right. There is a Scotland and yeah. an England. And that's about, that's about where it ends. Yeah. Like, for instance, there was actually a bridge at the Battle of Stirling Bridge, <laughs> where there wasn't one in this movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, They just called it the Battle of Stirling in the movie, I think. Yes, I think they did. Like, uh, there's too much hassle to go find a bridge. Let's just have a battle here in this field. Uh, <laughs> so, uh you know, uh, what was I going to say? The um, so you had this great cast uh, of characters, and you we've seen these guys and gals show up in other things ever since. Uh, you were mentioning to me that uh, uh, Mike, that the girl who played the young Murrin, uh, Mary Calvary, Calvi, sorry, ends is as now grown up, of course, thirty years later, uh, nearly, and she was in the what they call some people call a sequel. To this called Robert the Bruce came out in 2019, star, excuse me, starring Angus McFadden, who played Robert the Bruce in the original, reprising his role as an older Robert. I, let me tell you, that was a great movie. I talked about it on Raising the Bets with Melanie uh, about having watched that recently. And it is a great movie. Uh, I mean, it's certainly not the caliber of this. This is lightning in a bottle. But uh, but she was in that as well. So it's kind of funny. There was several uh, more Scottish actors who were younger who get, got to be in a Braveheart movie, so to speak. But um, 
Yeah, such a great movie. Um, we mentioned that the, it won a bunch of awards, Best Director, Best Picture, Best Cinematography, a couple others. It was nominated for 10 total, but it didn't it didn't kill the box office. It got like 75, I'm sorry, what was it, 75 million at the box office, which even in 1995 was not a whole lot. Uh, but uh, it grew in the telling, kind of like William Wallace. And uh, afterward, people you know picked it became bigger over time especially once it won the oscars let's get into the movie itself though i want to kind of talk about that we have this beginning it starts off it's narrated in the voice of robert the bruce a character the the character of robert the bruce he kind of evolves through this movie or kind of swings back and forth the moral heart of this movie the the scottish heart of the movie shall we say is william wallace but bruce is the guy who'll be king He's the natural hero, in a sense. That's one you would expect to be the hero of the movie, but he's not. Wallace doesn't want to be king. He just wants to be free. And I think that's one of the ways this movie is set apart. It's not about a guy's fight for power. It's a guy's fight for a principle of freedom and of justice. And he doesn't want power. And, and he's, there's a sort of, certain kind of purity in Wallace's approach to his campaign, he, he's you know he you stop squabbling amongst yourselves. He says to the nobles, "Fight for your countrymen," and and there's a so there's a, a black and white nature to his to, to to his quest. And I wonder, is that really what draws us in? I mean, is it is that what draws you into this to this character, this story, in this movie? It, it's it's the tragedy of him having to do that. He comes back. He's like, I want to be a farmer. He did his pilgrimage with Uncle Argyle, um, and he comes back and he wants to marry Murren and be a farmer and just, you know, he says, I, I have children, if God willing, and and just, you know, live to be a ripe old age. And that's what he wants to do. And he resists uh, like a lot of the reluctant heroes. And, you know, you could see it uh, him doing it again in The Patriot resists the violence. I don't I, I don't I've seen it. I don't want to be a part of it. My dad died this way. you know. Um, uh, it's, if it's not necessary, he's, he's, he's grown up. He, he had his whole kind of coming of age experience in a, in a absent montage really where he just, we, he, he's, he grew into this, uh, uh, you know, heroic figure off screen and comes back mature. And, um, so, and, but the, and then the, the crux of it is, um, you know, his, when they force him into when, when they take away the one thing he's living for. And it's like, okay, now you poked the bear. Now you woke the sleeping giant. Uh, now you have William Wallace to deal with because of what you did to his wife. Um, but until then, he wanted nothing to do with, with fighting the English or anybody else. It, it's the crux of the, I mean, that's one of the things I think that appeals to the, to the to Scotsmen in, when they see this is, the, it's not the Scottish being pugnacious toward the English. It's the, the Scotsmen just wanted to be left alone to live and to raise their families. And, and it was the, in this movie that portrayed it, the, it was the Englishman who just kept being mean, <laughs> being awful, just ruining things. And, and, and fi until finally, you know, they just couldn't take it anymore, you know, until finally they, the, the English had gone too far. And, and, and that, that scene, uh, I'm kind of, I kind of have jumped ahead again. So <laughs> let me, let's get to that scene in a second, but before we get to that, we have, you know, the, the William is scarred for life, you know, sort of in a way as a young as a young boy when 
the Longshanks betrays the Scottish nobles the first time, and he ends up seeing the result of that. And he sees the 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 death, you know, the the young pages and the nobles hanging. His father says to him before that a line that uh, kind of there's several lines that I feel like are, are kind of set the theme for the movie. And one of them is his father says to him, I know you can fight, but it's our wits that make us men. And that's one of the things that makes sets Wallace apart is he's smart. He's smarter than everybody else. Uh, right up to the end, in, right to the end when he knows he's what's going to happen to him. He knows he's going to get captured and, and he's going to be tortured and killed. He, he's smart enough to know that, but yet he has to do it anyway. It's a thing he has to do. So, you know, be smart. And, you know, his father says it, his uncle Argyle says it. Um, and then, you know, they, they, they come back um, and he courts Morin. They get married in secret because her father, well, part, well, they get married in secret because of the prima nocta, because he doesn't want, a, I want to be uh, um, careful about how we talk about it, but it's the, it's this custom, which may or may not actually, maybe one of these things that they made up for the movie, but where the local English Lord gets the, uh, the husband's rights of the first night after they're married. And which is an awful thing. It's designed to, you know, to, to make English babies is, is the way they were thinking about it. Um, and that again, strikes at the heart of family. So, uh, and, and that's the, 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 I feel like that's another one of those themes is it's, it's, it's about, we're trying to save our families, our clan, our home, and we can't save it without, you know, getting rid of you, get you ejecting you from our, our land. So what do you guys think about that beginning of the movie and, you know, any, any thoughts on how they set up the whole premise before he becomes the rebel in the Hills? Yeah. I mean, knowing who, like you mentioned, like knowing that what separates William Wallace from everyone else is he's smarter and he has a lot of charm. I mean, (laughs) and it shows out there. I mean, a lot of it shows out through his relationship with, with Mirren and, you know, their scenes together, like there's a lot of humor in it. You know, he, he loves to make her laugh and, and and doesn't take himself too seriously when he's around her. Um, yeah, I think setting up his character and getting to know his personality. I mean, obviously, a lot of it has to do with Mel Gibson being the star. I mean, he kind of naturally has that presence on screen and has that um, that charm already built in. Uh, but you know, since you know, like we mentioned, it's not historically accurate. This is uh you know a movie that that has these historical figures but is placing them you know it's they're sort of just telling their own story um with kind of lightly broad strokes you know telling you how <laughs> this the Scottish revolution took place but um you know the entertainment value uh comes from you know William's character and and it's very important that you know, he, he's, he's established in a way where he's not just, you know, like in, like in, like it'll take a movie like Gladiator, you know, any of these costume, you know, epics, uh, you know, no, no one's gonna, 
confuse Russell Crowe's character with with someone like William Wallace. Like Russell Crowe's character, like don't get me wrong, is 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 charming, but he's he suffered his his tragedy at the beginning of the film, so he's a broken man. Um, William Wallace is, you know, we were watching his tragedy unfold, and and uh, it ends, and all of it happens at the end, but. You know this this movie works on so many levels, and and why it's why it's widely loved because, you know, it it's, starts off on such a great note, even though it's it's sour because of the state of Scotland. But you know, throughout the film, when you when you through all his speeches and through all his all the humor that he throws in, and then the severe violence, and this movie is very violent. Right, uh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> we still we aspire. To be like as a young kid, and, and you, you know when I watch the film, even now, it's like you kind of you want you kind of want to be William Wallace. Oh like, yeah, you, you can't yeah. help it. He's um, heroic. And, yeah, yeah, he's he really is. And uh, I, I think I think it was the you know a lot of a lot of the film you know watching it now a lot of a lot of it can be seen as a lot, a lot of it doesn't hold up. A lot of the elements don't hold up. I think. The, the the relationship between him and Mirren is very beautiful, and, and some of the best scenes are between him and Mirren. But a lot of it does it is kind of corny, uh, and and you know a lot of the the speeches as epic as they are can come off as as like corny as well, but and, and silly, uh, maybe a little overacting, um, but that's part of the beauty of the film as well. It's <laughs> you a, know, it's part of its time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, uh, again, if this film was made today, it would probably be a lot more grounded and more gritty. You know, the film is gritty. I mean, in its sort of cinematography and and it's like muddiness, uh, <laughs> right? You know, for the time, it was like whoa. It was you know the the, the violence and the battles were you know cutting yeah. edge and everything. You you, you know yeah. you watch it now in slow motion DVD and you're like, oh gosh, that's horrible special effects. But you know at the time. <laughs> Yeah. Or you spot the people in the background. They're not really fighting, are they? <laughs> you know, uh, that kind of stuff. But just uh, real quick on, on the beginning, I, I wonder, you know, if the studios or whatever are like, you know, we need to cut out that beginning. This is three hours. Uh, the theaters aren't going to want to run it. It's going to mess up their whole time slot. You know, and, and maybe, you know, the fact that they did keep it to practically three hours and kept that beginning part in is why it didn't do as well in the box office uh, otherwise. Um, but you know what how worth it was it i mean imagine them just kind of saying you know okay here he is you know you you built up his depth as you said like with what he saw with all those people hanging that 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 was terrifying that was like traumatizing and and then his father coming home with this like huge wound in his chest and dead and he sees him and um and all that and then they have him go on this pilgrim it's uncle argyle comes and i'm going to teach you how to be a man and he's basically just like his dad, you know, I'm going to teach you how to be smart. Um, and he comes back and, and if we can bring this up now, the, the whole flower scene where she gave him that flower as a girl because of his dad dying. And what, I don't know, 15 years later, he comes back and after their date, he hands it to her. I mean, guys, if you, if you have a girl, you really like, <laughs> if you can set this up, it's the Braveheart flower <laughs> trick is, a hit. It, it is mean, a long that was setup. Just like, oh my, yeah, really long setup. I mean, it was, and it was just beautifully done, and no one had a clue because it was just she gave him a flower. Okay, that's cute. Like, like he really cared, you know. Um, 
but he kept it and it meant something to him and he gave it back to her and and it was like if she hadn't fallen in love with him already click that was it she was like hook line and sinker she looked at him like that's my knight in shining armor that's all there is to it um and and the music of course was soaring you know throughout that whole thing so uh yeah they really you know by the time that happened and he was like this guy is cool he's he can woo the girl that he wants he's uh, obviously smart and uh, you know, you have a inkling he probably can fight, although we haven't really seen that yet. Um, but when you do, uh, I think the setup was so so worth it. Gave him so much depth, and you really felt like you uh, had a lot of respect for this character by the time the real story begins uh, with the war and everything. Yeah, and it it, it also yeah, I just wanted to add one more thing. It, yeah, in the beginning also, it, you know, it foreshadows what's going to happen later when you know he's. He sees like the Longshanks betrayal, you know, and then the betrayal that happens to him, you know, at the end of the film, you know, it, it's, you know, it's cliche it's sort of a cliche thing to do in storytelling, but it, it does, it, it's, it sets that up really well. Yeah. And in fact, there's that one ambush in the middle where they try to set him up that he avoids. He sees it coming, which emphasizes how at the end he's, he, he knows we're, what, that it's an ambush, that it's a betrayal, but he's got to go anyway because it's just the thing he's got to do. Yeah, I, I want to mention about the the courtship and marriage with Murin in secret. Uh, that that was a thing in the Middle Ages that uh, that couples would go off into the woods and they would have a sympathetic priest who would marry them, and there actually had to be uh, some uh, some canon law put out about people doing all these secret marriages because. People are people and young people, especially are young people and are, you know, in the throes of love and uh, in ad, 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 admiration for one another. And let's just say hormones run high. And so they want to do the right thing. And so they end up, you know, getting married in secret, which is fine. You know, they, they're, they're doing the right thing in that case. But, you know, the, it would became a little bit out of hand. <laughs> let's just say it was, <laughs> it was causing some chaos. Uh, but it was a thing that that people would sometimes, you know, they would go off and get married in secret. And in this case, they did the hand fasting thing where they tie the hand together, um, which was a, a thing in certain cultures. Um, so the the death of Morin is what precipitates the whole rebellion. It's this the one girl who dies uh, at the hands of these, the, the brutal lord who has doesn't even want to hear her side of the, the story. He just, you know, so casually, almost just coldly kills her. And it's. When when Wallace comes back to exact his revenge, what strikes me in that is not that he's a he's raging, like like Jason Statham coming in to take out the bad guys in revenge. You know that's how Jason Statham would be in a, in a movie. He's cold. He's implacable. He just his face is completely like shut down inside. He's like the Terminator. Yeah, he's like a, he's it's robotic. Yeah, I mean yeah. it is, it is the the way he comes in and and cannot be stopped. Uh, that's that's the thing that really gets me at that at that scene and and you know and from that point you know it could be okay I did this thing you guys don't have to suffer for it, but it's all the other clansmen coming in and saying no you know. You, we heard you did this thing. We're in. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> like I didn't do this to start a rebellion, but it doesn't matter. And, and it's you know, on the one hand, it, in a cliched movie, he could go off and say, "No, I'm not. I, I, I reject your. You're trying to make me a re- rebel leader." Uh, 
but instead he embraces the idea of, okay, if we're going to do this, we're doing this for freedom, for justice, for, for Scotland. Uh, and that's, that's where he goes with it. I really, I kind of like that they do it that way. And because he thinks Mullen sees him. Yes. I forget the name of his friend. Hamish? Hamish? Hamish. Uh, yeah. Hamish. Hamish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that, 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 that's a, another great character. And, you know, with that scene with him, like, hitting him with the pebble in his head and came <laughs> over and everything. It was, it was a great setup when he came back. But, um, you know, just to fast forward, as long as we're talking about his motives, he's like, you're doing this because you think she sees you, you know, and that makes him mad and he punches him, you know, but you know, that's, that's part of it. He's, he's, he wasn't there to save her. So he's got to continually show his love for her by what he's doing. And that, that probably in the, in the most difficult times motivates him the most. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, oh, it, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons why when he meets Princess Isabel, like he sees something in her, uh, like there's a strength and independence, but also a, something of a victim of the, the 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 English king, and that reminds him of Morin a little bit. And and I think there's there's an element of that in there, um, you know, the French princess, the Scottish. The Klansmen both have things against this, the English king <laughs> a little bit. Um, and of course, another guy who has something against the English king is Stephen the Irishman, one of my favorite characters. The Almighty <laughs> has sent me to watch your back, he says. <laughs> Just a great, a, a great uh, character. Uh, and, you know, he, he's foul mouth, but he, but he talks about it's my island. And you're like, oh, Ireland is your island. Your typical Irishman, uh, over, overblown ego. But in the end, he actually does get the Irish uh, regiment to switch sides in the middle of the battle. Uh, you know, it's, that was such a fantastic moment. You know, they rush at each other and they stop them and roll. Hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, uh, McMurray. An Irish man is forced to talk to the almighty. <laughs> yes. No one else is an equal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a, that was so great in the middle of that. That was yeah. fantastic. I, know. I didn't trust him. He wasn't right in the head. <laughs> you know, just, you know, there's so many uh, great quotes from him. He has some, a lot of, some of which lives. you can't say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's that there there's. And so, you know, while we're talking about battles and the battle of Sterling bridge, the capture of York, the inspirational sp speech, you can take our lives, but you can't take our freedom. I mean, it really, it's stirring. It stirs you now when you see it, you know, it gives you goosebumps, that idea of, you know, wh why, why would a man stand in a line with arrows flying at you, horses running at you, you know, seeing people butchered in a line in front of you. Why would you willingly run into that? What motivates a man to go into battle for the, for something like that? You know, you're not going to die, as the soldier says. I'm not going to die so this, you know, Scottish noble gets a couple more acres of land, like in you know, in Scotland, in England or something. You know, uh, you know, I'll I'm going to go home and I'll I'll live to see another day. But Wallace, you know. Gives them a reason, gives them a reason to fight and maybe die, which is, you know, you could you know, you could give up your life, but they can't take away your freedom that you've earned by the that Scotland earns by the blood on this field. Uh, and there's something there's something in, in 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 me as a man where I where I want to say, yes, like I want to if I have to die for something, I want to die for something noble and something that is for others. I mean, that's that's a, a Christian impulse, for one thing. It's what Christ did. He died for others. He died to save us. He died to give us freedom from sin, not, you know, worldly freedom, like in this case. But 
there's something in us that wants to fight and strive and sacrifice for others for the for the sake for the sake of others because it's noble and i think i think that's one of the reasons why that speech and that scene really calls us on and really insp- inspires me anyway yeah it, it, there's a there's a sense there where yeah you know i i'm not you're not going to make me into the coward who's going to be subject to your thumb you know over my head and your rules and i just like you know I jump when you say jump and I sit when you say sit and but at least I get to live. Um, no, you know, I'm I'm going to go kicking and screaming and you're either going to lose or you're going to not have me because you'll have to kill me. Um, and that's, you know, we innately know that that is more virtuous. That is more courageous. That is uh, more godlike, you know, that of the, you know, the, the dignity we are given than to you know, bow down to the one who is stronger because you're afraid. It's just, you know, that, and that's, you know, so he, yeah, he, like you said, Dom, he appealed to, you know, the deep down, you know, who they were, he had to remind them of it and the way he delivers it and the number of memes and all the other things that have been out with that speech <laughs> and everything like that, you know, yes. um, but, but when he first did it, you were just like, whoa, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. and he, I, I don't even know, he did some cock, blah, uh, Gaelic or, or Scottish, whatever battle cry at the end when he raised up his, uh, his sword and, and, uh, and he's running, you know, down and he has that iconic paint on his head and everything. And, you know, um, you know, then he's like, okay, we got to go pick a fight, you know, I, or did the pick a fight happen first or second? I think it happened first. Uh, second. That happened first. Yeah. Where are you going? He, he I'm going to fight pick a fight. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then he comes back, he slaps his horse and he bows, he kneels down for the last rites and let's go. Yes, um, but yeah, I love that scene of the general absolution where the priests are walking along the line, giving them <laughs> absolution before the battle. And they're going to get out fantastic. of there. <laughs> then and they then come later along on, later to drag them off the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're dragging them off. Oh my gosh, I'm glad he put those little details in. I really, I really think that was awesome that he put it in. You know, that speech—it's not nearly the same quality. I'm, you know, sorry to the screenwriter, but. It reminds me a little of the St. Christmas Day speech in Shakespeare's Henry V, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, any man who lay abed in England years from now would, you know, give his arm to be with us here on the... I'm sorry, I'm I'm butchering Shakespeare, but I I don't remember off the top of my head. I didn't look look it up ahead of time. But, you know, he would give give everything to be here with us for one moment on this field, one moment. And and it's that same sort of thing. Once more unto the breach. Right. Right, right. <laughs> another, friends. another yeah. great uh, uh, but, line. But William Wallace's speech was better than the president's on Independence Day. It, it did. It did <laughs> that. Yes, that was better than the Independence Day speech. <laughs> so it's very close, but yeah, but, it's but a little he, I think he got him. I think he got him. I think that's also like a ninety-five-ish film. I'm not sure. The other, the I think one of the other things that made this so great is, is it's not a, it's. It's not about the nobles and the Scottish nobles like Wallace isn't fighting for them. He, you know, he they're all squabbling over who gets to take the Scottish throne. And he basically tells them, you think the people of this nation exist to provide you with position, but your position exists to provide these people with freedom. And I love that vision of the this is what being a, a nobleman is about being an aristocracy is it's not to lord it over others. You you exist to to take care of these people, to give them the security and freedom that they deserve by right of human right, by given by God. Uh, so I, I, I really, again, there's these elements that come out in this movie 
that just that just resonate with me one after another. Was uh, was he the script like part of the script writing? Uh, Gibson. Who's that? Or was that uh, was Gibson oh, the screenwriter? Uh, no, uh, Randall, Randall Wallace. Wallace. Okay. Randall Wallace, who's the descendant. Yeah, because that was was that a that was a book that they adapted to. Uh, it was based movie, on, correct? yeah, something called the Wallace, a uh, a poem from the fifteen uh, hundreds or fourteen hundreds by someone called Blind Harry, which is awesome. Uh, and it was <laughs> it which which the poem itself was you know again not very accurate, but uh, it's a tall tale. But uh, and then Randall Wallace adapted it from that. So uh, and this was his first major success i think it's interesting uh when uh with the, some of the stuff i was watching with the behind the scenes uh wallace or excuse me, wallace gibson and the editor were, were were chatting back and forth about this and the script came up you know and they're like you know they wanted to know the editor do you do you follow the script and he's like well i don't you know i mean if there's dialogue i make sure it's in there but i'm not i'm not sitting here and checking the script to make sure everything you know and 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 Gibson's like, yeah, the, the script kind of you, you have the script and then then you forget about it. and You make the movie, you know, <laughs> it's like everyone knows their lines. And we do it. But and and it made me think there's probably, a, you know, I'm sure they had their storyboards or whatever. But a, a lot of the wonder what lines of those were ones that they thought up like then and there. Or was it part of the original script? You know, some of those iconic iconic lines like the one you said about the nobles. That's that's, uh, you know, such a, a big part of the philosophy of Wallace. By the way, speaking of Randall Wallace, the script the, the scriptwriter, uh, he went on to write, uh, write Pearl Harbor, which uh, got a bad movie. <laughs> it yeah. was not a great movie. It was a, yeah. it actually won a, a Raspberry Award for worst screenplay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, but the fight, but the, the the scene of those ships was great. The attack on Pearl Harbor was, was awesome. <laughs> that, Just watch it that for was, that and ignore the rest. That is worth watching. <laughs> yeah, but he also wrote We Were Soldiers, which is a, another great With Mel Gibson, Gibson. movie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And get this, he's writing the screenplay for The Resurrection of the Christ, which is the sequel, don't you know, to The Passion of the Christ, <laughs> which is kind of kind of a given really? there, I guess. Is there a prequel? <laughs> right. Well, wait till you see the prequel to The Passion Whoa. of the Christ. Whoa, <laughs> the backstory is amazing. <laughs> the origin story of Jesus is going to shock you. No, sorry. No, but the res- he, he wrote the screenplay for The Resurrection of the Christ, which is interesting that he, he, he didn't do, have anything to do with The Passion of the Christ, but... He was on the the re- so I just thought that was interesting a little tidbit that I just uh, saw. He do- as long as he doesn't weave in a ridiculous love triangle into the resurrection. <laughs> oh please, yes, I think Mel <laughs> will take care of that for us. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, just, you know, some of the other parts here. Um, it's interesting how often they incorporate this idea of Wallace dreaming of the dead. You know, he has these dreams about his father, about Murin, about, you know, about those who've died who he's loved and they they spur him on they call him on to to further you know to to keep going on to keep continuing on in his mission his quest to you know to bring freedom to scotland um and i i I thought that was an interesting device that they used that that it was the dead who inspired him um those that he had lost because he had so much loss in his life you know his his mother was gone before the movie started and his, his father and brother died at the beginning. Murren dies, you know, his friends. Um, I just think that's a, an interesting device that they use there. You wonder how, you know, Catholic Christian it is. Uh, you know, he goes on pilgrimage. He learns about his faith uh, from his uncle, you know, and he comes back and he has this respect for those who have gone before him. Like they're not gone. You know, he thinks uh, Murren sees him. So he thinks she's in heaven, you know, so you have those aspects of spirituality uh 
there, you know, and it certainly is biblical to be inspired or, or moved or get messages through dreams, you know, so not that they were like dreams from or messages from God, but still. Uh, so you, you, you wonder how much of that all played into the thought process. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like it. Yeah. And there's, I mean, a big theme of this film is, you know, uh, father son relationships and, you know, both, uh, you know, literal and, and figurative, uh, you know, uh, we see in the beginning of the movie, uh, you know, William Wallace and, and his father, and we see Robert the Bruce with his, and, and you see kind of, you know, William Wallace being a father to, you know, Bruce, Robert the Bruce and William Wallace has like this, he, he has an idea of, of a great, a, a great idea of, of how to be a good father. Uh, and, uh, he does so much to shape Robert the Bruce. And then even though he, he betrays him, uh, you know, uh, William still forgives him and, and still, uh, still believes in him, uh, you know, even after all that. And, 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 and it's, uh, it had that, that has to do with his faith. I mean, a big part of that has to do with his faith and, and because he sees the bigger picture. I mean, it, I mean, he's obviously willing to die, you know, for, for, for freedom. Cause he sees the bigger picture. He's like, yeah, I know I'm going to die. I, I, I know like, you know, we're not going to win this battle, but you know, people are going to be inspired by what's happening. You know, it's, it's, it's like that. It's like 300, right. You know, where they all know they're outnumbered and they're going to, the Persians are going to defeat them, but then they're going to inspire an even bigger army. Um, you know, talk about a movie that's not historically accurate, but you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the general, yeah, the general story is there. Uh, it's, 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 it's something that, that can only be stirred up in him, uh, knowing that there's an afterlife and knowing that there, that, that God has a hand in this and that if he just does what's just and right, um, then, you know, everything else will, will fall into place. And then you have that biblical imagery of Bruce's father, who's got leprosy. So you have the yes. imagery oh, of yeah. this guy's soul just decrepit because he's a coward. You know, it's it's <laughs> to to compromise is to be noble. What? <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. He has it all backwards. He's the anti Wallace and uh, the whole thing. And, you know, in the beginning, you know, you can kind of see that while uh, Robert is kind of like, OK, Dad, I, I guess so. But, you know, towards the end, he's like, man, you're just full of it. I mean, you you have been leading me astray this whole time. And, you know, I don't want anything to do with you. Um, but that was that was a great, uh, you know, juxtaposed. You see, you got Wallace with his courage that's going to lead him to death. But this other guy is just rotting slowly and, uh, you know, in, in his cowardice. Well, it, it, it's the it's the visualization of the great line. Every man dies. Not every man truly lives. And the elder Bruce is dying. He's, as you said, literally rotting away, whereas Wallace dies but he has truly lived by the time he dies he has truly lived a, a complete life uh and and because he's lived out his mission uh so yeah I, I, the, the thing i like about this is wallace is sort of a christ figure and mm-hmm. bruce is a peter figure you know he's the yes. the future leader you know who betrays the the man of ideal and principle and when he in repents of it, he's not Judas, he's Peter. He repents of it. You know, he says to his, his father as he, you know, his realization as he walks through the bodies of all his countrymen on the battlefield. I want to believe as he does. I will never be on the wrong side again. 
you know that mm-hmm. that, that what a I great don't want to line. Lose heart. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, it was so such a great moment that you know he, it would be easy for for the Bruce to be the bad guy in this movie, but he he turns out to be the good guy at the end. Uh, and I, I I like that that aspect of it. Yeah, it was kind of a redemption story yes. for him. Yes, it was a redemption redemption story for him. Yeah, and William William, you know, again taught him. You know, he there there's that line where he says, "Men don't follow titles. You know, they follow courage. And and if you can lead these people, you know, then they'll follow. You know, they'll follow you. But you have to show that that courage. It's not enough to just oh." you're the son of such and such and you have this power or whatever, like you have to have these qualities. And, and, you know, that's again, the William Wallace being more of a father to Robert the Bruce than his own father, who, who was, who was a coward and, and, you know, convince him to betray him. Uh, it, it's, it just, it just shows like how, again, how William's not only sacrifice, but his, uh, mentoring of Robert the Bruce, you know, affects the, you know, this, the history of, of, of the Scottish revolution, um, and this not so historically accurate movie again, but, um, but yeah, it, it just shows how powerful that, that can be. You can also taste like, uh, like Wallace is like, if you would just lead them, I mean, he's like, you guys are so close. If you would just figure out that if you would get your heads out of your, you know, what, and, and, and just lead them they would follow you anywhere. And, you know, and he's just so frustrated. He's like, stop knighting me and, and getting all, you know, and, and do something, um, you know, and, uh, you know, you get to the point where uh, he starts taking out the nobles. <laughs> right. Right. That was a, a very uh, big scene. Yeah. <laughs> where he rides the horse into the guy's bedroom. And, and in case, I, I don't know if you're, you know, the, the different cat, I know there's so many people, but I, I, I got to mention um, his, his big friend's dad. Uh, mm-hmm. uh I, I don't know hey, if he even that, has hey, a name. That? Uh, yeah, Hamish's dad. Yeah, James Cosmo. Uh, yeah, he he's kind. Of, yeah, he's like. I mean, he's proud of his son, but he also so admires like you know Wallace, and that's like uh, he's he's just already. And and you think you're introduced to him? He's 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 shot with an arrow, and he holds up the the bridge in the beginning when they're avenging Morin and. And and they just stop them from killing him as he's just like staying there, and, right? Um, you know, and then they're like, you, uh, you know, I'll hold you pull it out, I'll hold him down. No, yeah. you pull it out, I'll hold him down. When he's got this the arrow. No, you pull it out, I'll hold him down. <laughs> or, I, I don't know what it is, or maybe it's the C. Oh no, they had to um, cauterize it. That's what it was. Yes, they were cauterizing. Whoever cauterized the wound got a big smack in the face. That's right. <laughs> he died. He died so happy. He, he, yes, he's yeah. like I've I've uh, I live long enough, you know, to to see you become the man you are. You know, like right again. Just a great father figure. He was. He was. Yeah, he was an awesome figure uh, of uh, a, a man who obviously lived his life that way his the whole time. Right. Uh, and you know he and he still has plenty left in him. You know, kind of kind of scrappy old guy. Yeah, James Cosmo ends up. He actually plays Robert Bruce the senior in the Netflix uh, a movie Outlaw King, which was about Robert the Bruce. So he, he, you know, he's oh, cool. all around this, this, uh, this, uh, <laughs> this story. Uh, so I want to kind of get to the, to the, to the ending where Wallace is executed. Um, and it's such a, you know, it is, you know, it's like a crucifixion. He's laid out like a cross on the, on the execution block. And 
it's interesting. He he sort of fixates on the face of a child in the crowd during his execution. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Why do you think mm-hmm. they made he made that choice to have Wallace fixating on the child? I, I wonder if it if it symbolizes you know his lost future with Morin and children, uh, or the innocence of you know of of the Scottish children. Or I mean, this is who he's doing it for, right? You know, it's it's not for him. It's certainly not for Murin or a lot of his friends that are, have died and probably won't see any freedom. But he's looking at the children of Scotland who uh, this is for. I mean, that that be the most I, I one of the most logical thoughts. I mean, it's also just purity and innocence and beauty that he can look at during this really ugly, painful, horrible moment. But, you know, yeah, I think he got both of those things there. Yeah, he probably, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. And the only thing I'll That's add, why I, tr- I struggled to go first. Yeah. So I <laughs> but yeah, the other thing, the other thing I'll say is like, um, he's probably thinking of, obviously, like you mentioned, you know, he's doing it for this child, but this child is also about, like, like he did when he was a child, he's about to witness some atrocity right now, you know, and, and he's probably thinking about how it's going to affect him. And you know, at least this time, he's hoping that this child is seeing someone who who did it for the right reasons and will hopefully, you know, is doing it so he won't have to endure it. And if he has to, you know, when he is of age, if he has to ever fight for his country, that, you know, he'll be inspired by by him in some way. Yes, I think that's a good point the, that the child, you know, the, the cycle of violence, you know, that the child is seeing. But maybe that if if. Wallace dies well, he inspires, you know, and, and he does die well. I mean, he, he, everyone, everyone is rooting for him to sit, to cry out mercy in the face of the torture, including the crowd who was just a few, a few minutes ago jeering at him and, you know, w- wanting the worst for him. They, they're like, okay, at this point, dude, just cry for mercy, mercy, mercy. Yeah. His, his two good friends are in the crowd hiding and they're saying mercy. And um, he also, uh, similar to Christ, he spit out the the drug that um, the uh, the princess came and got him. You know, he he drank it and pretend, but he spit it out just like Christ. You know, wouldn't take any any right the hi- painkillers, so to speak. Yep, the hiss on the cross. Yep, um, that's true because he didn't want to be weakened. He did, he wanted. I had a wisp about me. They're going to try to break me. They can't break me. So I, I have to make sure I'm I'm all up. You know, it's all mental. It's all up here. I, I can't be week he had to make sure that he could die well and died you know with on his lips the his highest principle which was freedom you know and it, and the fact that longshanks was dying at the very same moment having just been told by princess isabel that his his uh heir is not going to be the the child of his son but of william wallace which is a whether that's true or not she's really turning the screw at that point of, <laughs> at the end well, I think considering her husband, it's, if she's pregnant, it's probably true. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they, they made it pretty clear that she was not going to have a child through uh, the, his son, you know. Yes. Um, and, that, right. and that was, uh, you know, it's interesting, too. And you don't, you know, how they depicted the, the son, um, you, 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 well, you wouldn't get away with that in today's movie culture. Oh, no. Um, you know, uh, painting them that way and not necessarily should have. Um, but they did use, I mean, and it's, it's not the first time it's been used to have a, a homosexual character be the bad, you know, a sign of, of the weakness or, or whatever of the character, um, right or wrong. That's what they did. 
Um, but I'm interesting. If I could ask a question, do you in in we we mentioned the gladiator, uh, and one of the things that was mentioned uh, in the backstory or the you know afterwards in the gladiator is uh, why um, the gladiator character didn't um, get together with the um, the daughter of the emperor, the the you know Maxim, the brother of the emperor, you know, or the sister, excuse me, because they had this closeness. And and um, Crow's response was, you know, you're not going to be on your way to avenge your wife and and son and have a little nookie on the way. You know, it's just you just don't do that. But Braveheart sorted, you know, he did, and it served that ending where she could say, well, Wallace is a Wallace is going to be on the throne. Yes. Was it worth it? I mean, to do I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, was it yeah. worth his because it, it kind of took away like, OK, do you, you know, doing I, that? I don't know. I, I would yeah. try to rectify the whole thing. I think it I, I think it was a little disappointing that the, he because he was otherwise mostly a man of virtue, you know, uh, that he would. That in that instance that he would, you know, succumb to that sort of temptation, you know. And that Morin's memory, you know, I, don't, you don't, I agree. His her memory should be enough to get him to, you know, to, for him to be single focused on his goal. And this sort of is a distraction. But you're right; the distraction was that you know this was all a setup for that line at the end. Um, I don't know that it's. Right. I, I don't know that I would. I would make that same choice. No. How about you, Andrew? What do you think? I mean, it wasn't just because yeah. they, they did serve the choice, but you know, what do you think, Andy? I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's one of the elements of the film that, you know, didn't need to be there. Uh, and um, I don't think it added anything to it uh, other than the that payoff at the end, you know, if you want to call it a payoff. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with, with, with that, that aspect. I mean, you know, if anything, it shows his, humanity you know in a way yeah, uh yeah. that you know it it doesn't matter uh what you've gone through you know um uh you know men will be faced with temptations like that and you know at, you know at, at least you know it didn't it didn't have like dampen his character uh and and that's in any sort of way you know is this nah. not overall it didn't help right but it, yeah it didn't overall it, it didn't ruin it it just was kind of a blip on an otherwise you know, uh, you know, very strong man. Uh, you know, I mean, sure, you could say he was more brutal in certain ways than he needed to be if you want to talk about virtue, but he was definitely a man of integrity and courage. Um, and, you know, men of integrity and courage don't do that. So it was, you know, a little break, but at, at the same time, nobody's perfect. So I just wanted yeah, to know what you yeah, guys thought. No, of that. it's good, good to bring that up. So, uh, yeah, he dies as Longshanks dies. Um, in, so in a way, he sort of wins in in that you know in that he he wins by being he can yell freedom while Longshanks has been silenced through his illness, you know, and dies dies yes. you know uh, strangling uh, in, in his own bed, whereas uh, Wallace dies crying out freedom. Uh, so th- I think there's an interesting parallelism there, but but his death then inspires the Scotsman and inspires the Bruce to lead them. Um, and then we get the ending voiceover, you know, in the year of our Lord, 1314, Patriots of Scotland, starving and outnumbered, charged the fields of Bannockburn. They fought like warrior poets. They fought like Scotsmen and won their freedom, um, which again is a little historically inaccurate, but 
it's an inspiring line and an, an, an inspiring way to end this movie. Um, <laughs> what, what what do you guys think of the of the of in general the movie or any other notes you wanted to, to bring up at this point in our discussion? Anything left to say? Well, I, I, one of the things that you know, I mean, there's just so much, and we've said so much, and there's so much we left out. You know, when you talk about a three hour movie. Uh, over a, a span of a little over an hour, but um, it 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 is difficult to watch the further along you get. I mean, it's you know you're you kind of have that that first big disappointment um, when Murin is murdered, and then you're building up, you're building up. He's he's winning battle after battle after battle. He sacks York. Oh my gosh, he's amazing. And then he gets betrayed, and and it, the movie takes this darker turn where he eventually gets captured and that's true that's not as much fun to to watch you know it's a great i mean it's it, it doesn't take away from the the depth or the quality of the movie by, by any means but you're you're kind of like as you're doing this you you know uh what's going to happen um i guess almost like like a christ-like figure you know you know when when you're watching and thinking about jesus's passion there's always this kind of like I kind of wish he would have <laughs> right, come down right. from the cross and told all those people what for, you know. Um, but you know he can't. You know he's got to go through with this the, uh, to the end with, with, with them thinking that he's not who he says he was. You know, that's uh, that's that's why he's, you know, who he is. Um, and to watch, you know, Wallace go through it is is a similar thing. You You want him to, you know, win in the more, you know, uh, the way men think, you know, and not the way God thinks. You know, you want him to, you know, uh, kill the bad guy at the end and I'm victorious and I'm great and I got the girl and everything's wonderful. But he he didn't. He sacrificed everything to, you know, to see what he wanted, to, to get to what he wanted. And that is, you know, it's good to watch, but it's not, you know, it's it, I always like usually when I watch the movie, once we get to like the Irishmen meeting in the middle and they're all like, okay, we're going to switch sides. I'm like, okay, now the movie kind of turns from here. <laughs> right. It, you right. Know, they, they, they don't, they don't do the right thing. You know, they betray him. Robert De Bruce is the guy who was, you know, on the, on the bad side, you know, and it goes downhill. But up until then it's, it's kind of fun. And, and that's just an interesting, I don't know. It's an interesting aspect of the movie, uh, the way it kind of crescendos and then, and then goes downhill, but it has to, uh, that's just, and he, like you said all along, he knew it. He, he knew, he he wasn't exactly going to defeat England, um, but he was going to inspire. Yeah, I'll say, you know, again, I mentioned in the beginning that the way this film ages, uh, you know, you re you realize a lot of the, at least at least in my opinion, it's you know a, a lot of it's silly. You know, a, a lot you know <laughs> back watching when I was younger, it was a lot more like inspirational and like you're more in awe of like what you're watching and. Uh, again, you want to be William Wallace. Um, a lot of that, a lot of that is still there, but you know, again, watching it now is, I think it's more, it would be hard for me to just like pop it in and watch it from beginning to end. You know, I don't find myself being tempted to do that, but again, if I see it streaming, maybe I'll watch a scene. Uh, maybe I'll, if 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 it comes a scene shows up on my YouTube you know recommended playlist you know I'll definitely uh, uh, spark it up but um, the 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 effect that it's had on me is there I mean again those lines those speeches are embedded in my in my memory I can always recite them and uh, um, the appreciation again for the for the score for the the epic filmmaking 
Um, you know, again, Mel Gibson, uh, no matter what you think of him is, is, is really a brilliant director. Um, and he, and, and he, he has a, he has a gift, uh, not only in front of the screen, but behind the screen. Um, and you know, this, this film is, uh, what a lot of people would say, uh, is his, his overall best. Um, and you know, I, I think that, um, again, uh, the, the silliness I was mentioning is part of the movie's charm. Uh, and it's part of like why we can love it. And it's, uh, uh one thing I noticed like more and more is like how blue his eyes are. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. It's almost like ridiculous that someone like as, as like, you know, hardcore as he is, is like so like just so handsome <laughs> the sun's just glistening on yeah. the sides. right <laughs> that again you know again it's it's you know mid 90s hollywood epic like it has all those qualities um so we can forgive it for that um but uh but yeah i i i think it's it's one of those films that'll always be in 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 pop culture it'll always like be referenced and parodied forever and everyone will get the reference um, you know, maybe the younger kids now won't, but like, they'll, they'll be able to put two and two together and be like, oh yeah, that's, it's, it's that film with that, that crazy Mel Gibson guy or, you know, uh, that my parents like it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it will definitely stand the, the test of time. And, um, I think that, you know, no one knew, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure like, the story of the real story of William Wallace or, or William Wallace as a historical figure in general, pretty sure before this movie came out, no one knew who William Wallace was. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I don't think that that was, uh, you know, that, that was ever, uh, you know, Scottish history was ever a, a thing, um, outside of Scotland. So, um, I think we can give the film credit for that, you know, for giving the historical inaccuracies, at least shining a light on, on Scottish history. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that, uh, when it, you know, whenever, whenever a film like this, uh, is remembered, like for me, at least I always like miss this type of film because again, like I, I talked about earlier, we, we don't really get this type of film anymore. Uh, and, um, you know, maybe Hollywood is always changing, so maybe that'll change one day, but, uh, uh, yeah, I would love to see more historical epics like this, you know, whether it's on streaming or not. Um, it'd be nice to see like, uh, you know, a big name actor, uh, uh, and, and with, with a, with a big budget, you know, to, to, to tell a nice, you know, cause history has a lot of stories to tell and that haven't been told. So it'd be nice to see that again. Um, I think and, Troy is probably what did it in the, the uh, that sort of sword right, and sandals yeah. epic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The, but, but it'll yeah. be back. But, no. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, might. Might. In, in, in a different medium, maybe. But yeah, I, I hope that we, you know, we can get one that that we can like look at and be like, wow, that's this might be one of the best movies I've ever seen. You know, speaking of Troy, uh, Mel Gibson wanted. Brad Pitt to play William Wallace, which would have been a those very, blue eyes, man. Very different movie. It would have been. <laughs> oh man, I'm so I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. I I 
I, I, I am mesmerized by Gibson as an actor. I, I, no matter, I mean, and his older stuff, I like better, uh, um, from this point on, you know, whether it's Patriot or, um, just some of the other crazy films he's done as since he's done the passion, you know, I, I just think I, I, he's just great. Yeah. And his acting is just so spot on. Um, and I, and I love to watch it. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm so glad Brad Pitt. <laughs> well, let's put really the Patriot on our list of future episodes of secrets of movies. Cause uh, that is another one of my favorites. So, uh, good. Great film. All right. Yeah. I, I'll just, I'll finish up by saying that, uh, this holds a place in my heart as you know, I saw it at a particular time in my life that was very formative and it spoke to me in that time, um, and called me to certain virtues and ways of, of, uh, of, of, thinking about the world around me and uh, and i really am grateful for this movie that you know it's got its flaws definitely uh as as we as we mentioned but uh, there's so much about this movie that i love i haven't watched it in many years until i watched it for this recording uh and and i'm glad i did i forgot how long it was (laughs) i had to do it over two nights (laughs) but uh yeah it's so it's such a great movie and i'm glad i'm glad that scotland gets its due that scotland got uh, the Scottish culture, which I love, uh, has gotten the attention it deserves because of this movie. And uh, we need more Scottish stuff. Definitely. Uh, so we'll end, we'll end it with that. Besides the guys in the elevator trying to go to floor 11. Have you seen that one? Oh, my gosh. With the voice activated elevator. That is hysterical. Oh, I love that one. That was so funny. We could do a whole thing on that one. Yes, we could do a whole episode. Eleven. <laughs> Oh yes, Scott, yes, Scottish theory that would be uh, very funny. <laughs> all right, let's let's wrap it up before we get into all of that. So uh, I want to take a moment first to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of movies and TV shows, including Tony G, Austin L, Samuel E, Edward R, not the Longshanks, and Derek M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com/give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What do you think of Braveheart? Do you love it? Is it a movie that you knew? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page or send us an email to secrets at sqpn.com. And if there's a movie or TV show you want us to talk about, let us know. Uh, Drop us a line there and tell us, you know, give us your ideas of what we should be talking about on this show. Until next time, Mike Denz, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Braveheart. Uh, the Lord said he could get me out get me out of this mess, but he's pretty sure. Well. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for not finishing that. Andrew Hermes, thank you as well. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thanks. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. And remember, freedom! Freedom! <laughs> you can- You can take our wives, but you can't take our freedom. (laughs) 